Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Amen. Well, thank you, choir, <clears throat> for those songs. Thank you for allowing us to lift up the name of Jesus high this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. It's an honor for me to be able to preach this morning. I do thank Pastor Bradley for that opportunity today as we open up his word. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 is where we'll be at. And uh, we're going to be speaking on the gift of his word this morning, the word of God and the gift that he has given us uh, this time of the year. It's always uh, an interesting time to figure out what to preach and where to go. And uh, I wanted to sort of do a play on words with the gift that we sometimes can give but also looking at the gift of God's Word that's been given to us. I want to open even before we read the Scripture this morning by reading a quote by Griffin Thomas. He says this, he says that all the Bible deserves our careful consideration, our constant meditation, and a complete application to our lives. This morning I thought it was very, 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 all three of those things were given in our Brotherhood Devotion by Durant Barr from Fairview. Um, Considering God's Word meditating on the Word of God, but then also letting it apply it to our lives and how we can have that applied uh, in our lives as we go throughout from here. Not only just on Sunday, but how we can apply it in our lives every single day of our, of our week, every single day of our lives in our family and in our home life. And so this morning, I hope I can do that, give us consideration of the Word, meditate on the Word, and apply it to our lives. So if you have your place in God's Word, if you would stand with me one more time before the reading of the Word. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, the Word of God says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of a soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and it is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open upon the word, upon the eyes of him whom we have to do. Let us pray. Father, be with the reading of your word this morning. Help me as I preach it, to preach it justly, to preach it right, to preach it honestly. I pray that you'll help us this morning to apply it to our lives. Help us to be encouraged by what we hear this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. As I was thinking through the thought here of these two verses, verses 12 and 13, uh, my mind as a, as a scholar of the Bible, I try to study God's word in, in an everyday time and I try to apply it to my life. We try to teach it to our kids. We try to uh, apply it in everyday life. My wife is a lot better at this than I am uh, in applying scripture to our kids. Um, I'm just the guy that's sort of the authoritarian and she sort of can come in and they do something wrong and it's you know, the Bible says in the Ten Commandments, we shouldn't lie, right? We shouldn't steal. And, you're, and so she's a lot better at that than I am. Uh, but, but my mind went to this. God gave us the Word of God not to just be a knowledge to accumulate. See, people that they strive for education, right? Once they get their associate's degree, they got to get their bachelor's degree. Once they get their bachelor's degree, they get their master's degree. Once they get their master's, they've got to get their doctorate and their PhD. And it's almost like they're living for education, The Word of God is not necessarily just for us to accumulate knowledge, but as truth that we can apply and obey in our life. And so the writer of Hebrews, the first four chapters, uh, deals with the supremacy of God's Word. 
And when God is speaking, whether it be through the written word or through the living word of Jesus, it is different from the words of man. God's word is different from just you and I's word. It is perfect, it is holy, and as these verses talk about how it can change our lives drastically. Uh, the book that the Hebrews is writing here, this author, is giving us some time to uh, give a careful attention to what the Word of God does in our life. Uh, Romans 10, 7 says this, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. John 15, 3 says, You are cleansed through the Word that I have spoken. Jesus is saying this. He said, The way you can be clean, the way you can have a clean heart and clean hands before God is through the Word of God. And so the point of this passage is simply that the Word of God has come to man and that it should not and cannot be disregarded. Okay, I often think of it like this. The Word of God and God as the Spirit is a friend to us, right? How many of you have a true best friend? You've got someone that you can call any moment of time. Raise your hand. Okay, most of you, have you ever, has anyone in here met someone that's got a really good close friend? Okay, a couple people, okay, anybody ever seen a friend on TV? Just trying to get you guys involved a little bit, waking up a little bit. All right, so a friend in a lot of different areas is going to be your, your truth, they're, they're going to tell you truth no matter what, right? A true friend is, if you, if you wake up and, and you come to school and you're not dressed right if you're a teenager, they're going to say, why did you wear that shirt today? You just got a stain on it? Okay, a true friend's going to tell you that, right? Someone that's not a true friend, they're just going to let you go all day long, maybe get made fun of a little bit. True friend's going to be like, who cut your hair? Why did you put your hair like that this morning? Okay, that's a true friend. And so the Word of God is a true friend. It is a friend to us. This is what the Word of God does. It discerns, it exposes, it critiques in our life, it convicts us. The Word of God convinces us. It judges us, and it enables us. The Word of God gives us these powerful things in our life to change the way we live, to expose things that we're going through, to give us discernment, to give us discernment when we're talking to people. This is what the Word of God does. And so today we're going to discuss four things simply from these two verses about what the Bible is. And the first thing is this, the Bible is a powerful book. Notes are provided for you in your bulletin and a handout. If you didn't pick one up, you can, they'll be on the screen as well. But the Bible is a powerful book. It is the most powerful book that's ever been written. It's more powerful than the book that was put into movies. It's more powerful than anything that we've ever experienced in our day. Because it is the literal words of God put on paper. Whether it was given through a prophet, whether it was Jesus actually speaking them and someone recorded them down, or whether it was an apostle who wrote them down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is a powerful book. And we get this in this first verse 12 where it says, For the word of God is quick. <clears throat> what this means is the very first point underneath this. It is alive. The word of God is alive. It is living. It is quick. The Bible is alive and life-giving in all areas of our life. The Bible is not a dead book. The Bible is not something that has just meaningless promises to it, but it is living and it is full of life to the heart of the believer. Scholars all throughout the world 
in, in, in colleges, I'm thinking of Bart Ehrman who, at UNC who, who debates the validity of God's word, who tries to discredit the power of God's word. But when we really begin to look at the living power of what the word of God does is it brings life to those who are dead. I often think about this, God is not in the death business. God is in the living business. God is in the business of giving new life to people. He comes to bring new life so that we can have life to the fullest. And so the Word of God is the ability for us to apply new life into our existing life. The written Word of God introduces us to the living Word of God, Jesus Christ himself. If we were not to have the written Word of God this morning, the Bible this morning, we would never be introduced to the life-saving power of Jesus Christ. So the Word of God introduces us to the living Word, which if we study this out, it tells us that those two cannot contradict itself. If the Word of God tells us to do something, then Jesus Christ himself were to do it. And if Jesus were to do it, it would go in hand in hand with the Bible. They do not contradict itself. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 says this, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the Word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as words of men, but as the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word of God is something that every man must face. It offers something that he will either accept or he will reject. Every man and woman alive will face the word of God, the living word of God, at one point in their life. And they will have to stand before God and they will say, I either am going to accept what you tell me or I will reject what you tell me. But every single human being that has ever lived on the face of this earth will have to make that decision. And we will have to make, come to a point where we will say this, I'm going to live the way that God wants me to live or I'm going to live the way I want to live. And the word of God through this alive powerful book allows us to make those right decisions okay Jesus says this about the word of God it is the spirit who gives you life but what does the flesh produce the flesh produces nothing the word that I speak to you are spirit and they are life you want to know how to have life this morning you want to have the life to the fullest read God's word study God's word Love God's word more than the air you breathe. I tell my kids that I'm, I, I tell my kids all the time, I love you more than the air that I breathe. I love you more than the food that I consume, and I love consuming food, right? Can I get an amen? All right, so, so I, I tell that to my kids because I would give my life for my kids. But are we that consumed with God's word that we love it because that is the only life that we get because it says here in the contrast, if we live in the spirit, then we have life. But if we live in the flesh, it produces nothing. As Brian said this morning in our Sunday school, when we do things in our own flesh, when we do things in our own ability, we fall flat on our face. Paraphrasing a little bit, Brian. We fall flat on our face. But when we live in the spirit, that's when God is able to come in and do things that are miraculous. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that the word of God is God breathed. What a better way to wake up every morning than to get a fresh breath of God. You ever thought about that? 
I mean, me, I've already had my cup of coffee this morning. I wake up every morning. That's top five things that I do, okay? Put a cup of coffee on, bake my, my Keurig, okay, that, that's, or, or my espresso machine. Okay, that, that's, my, that's my top five things that I do. But how often do the Word of God, does it get pushed back on the list? You know, we got to get up, we got to do these certain things, but sometimes we'll go half the day, we'll realize, you know, oh, I forgot even to open my Bible this morning. I forgot to even get the fresh breath, the fresh bread that God gives us every morning to apply that to our life. And the Bible says that we should wake up every day breathing the fresh breath that God has given us through his word. Not only is the word act alive, but the second thing here is it says it's active. This is where we get the point of this whole first message. It says that it's quick and powerful. The word in this context is meaning the word effective. It is one of the facts of history. If you study through history, and I've got several books of the history of the church and the, the history of revivals and the things that have happened in, in church life, if you study through history of the church, there is never a moment in time where God did not take his word seriously. And when man took God's word seriously, great things happened. When we see that great things are not happening for God, it's probably because God's word is not taken seriously. God's word is not coveted. God's word is not loved. God's word is not taken to the serious effect that we are not reading it, we are not studying it, we are not writing about it, and something must be done. I wrote this down. It will, be, it will energize the life of a person, a church, a nation when a person, a church, or a nation covets the word of God because the word of God brings life and everything else brings death. It brings activity where there has been inactivity. The word powerful really means productive. The Bible just does not lead us to have a productive life, but it produces a productive ministry. Look at Psalms 119.7. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous judgment. The only way we learn these things, the only way we can praise God for these things is by studying his word. And the beautiful thing is he gives it to us in the ability to where we have it on every single device. We have it in multiple copies. I think I've got 10 or 15 copies of God's Word in my office right now. I've got an app on my phone that sends me a Bible verse every day. I've got friends that send me Bible verses and say, hey, read over this, study this. We have God's Word in our life more prevalent than we've ever had in the history of the world. And yet as Christians, we're doing less than we've ever done in the history of the world. And it blows my mind because as having it so prevalent, we should be loving it more prevalently. We should be living by it more prevalently. And yet we fail, myself, we fail to do these things. Isaiah says it like this in Isaiah 55, the great prophet Isaiah. He says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there, but water the earth. And it makes it bring forth and bud and it gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my reward be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper the thing for which I have sent it so God is saying here through the Isaiah through the prophet Isaiah his word will not return void it's going to accomplish what he sees fit and it will be the thing for which he sent it I wrote this down as I read that verse. Anything the word of God touches, 
and that a person receives in their heart, it will change the very nature of who they are. Think about it. When you, when you first experienced the life-giving power of Jesus Christ, it changed the very nature of who you were. You went from someone who was dead in their trespasses of sin, who was living for yourself, who was living for the world, and was transformed by the power of God. Not to just exist, but to transform other people. But to live a life that is greater than anything else that we can ever be given. Greater than any other gift that we can ever be given, and it was freely given for us to change our very nature. But it doesn't stop there. I'm so glad that it doesn't just stop when we get saved. We get to live in the gospel every single day of our life. And God gets to transform our life every single day of our life where we do something wrong and the word of God is that mirror and sometimes we have people that help us realize this and they give us the, the transforming nature to change the way we live in our very nature. That's what the word of God does. It's powerful. It's alive. It's active. It's not a book of dead promises. It is a book that changes the very way that we live. So we see first it's a powerful book. The second thing we see here is the Bible is a piercing book. Verse 12, it continues on and it says, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the divine asunder. We see the first thing on it is it is a sharp word. The Bible says it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts to the heart of sinners with conviction. Conviction. Think about it, the, the moment when you receive Jesus for the very first time, and you may be sitting here and you may be saying, I don't know Jesus the way you're talking about. I'm, I'm not excited like this. I'm not excited about the Word of God. And you may be saying, well, Pastor James, you're, you're a pastor. You're supposed to be excited about the Word of God, right? No, we should all be excited. We should all love the Word of God. But think about it, when that moment, when, when I was a five-year-old boy, on a Sunday night, my pastor was up preaching, Jerry Whitehart was preaching, and he was given the word, and he was preaching with power. He was preaching with authority. I don't remember a lot, of it, but I remember that day very vividly. And I remember grabbing my mom at the end of that service and saying, Mom, I don't want to go to a place where I don't get to see Jesus. And she took me down the altar, and she showed me the word of God, and she led me to the Lord that day. That was a life-changing moment in my life, a day that I will never forget because it cuts to the heart of every one of us with conviction. That's what the Word of God does. Think about it like this. In Acts chapter 7, we, we, we see a man here, one of the first deacons ever mentioned in the Bible. It's where, who I'm named after, right? I like to know who I'm named after, book of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. That's where my mom got that name from. But she also got this name, Stephen, and it's spelled the exact same way. That's why I know it's, I'm named after him. And so Stephen, with a P-H, was one of the first deacons. We don't know a lot about Stephen. We know he was a man of God. We know he loved God's word. We know he loved serving people. We know he had a heart for people. But it says here in Acts chapter 7 verse 34, it's, I'm sorry, 54, it said that, that Stephen was up and he was preaching God's word. And he was delivering this word that he would been transformed by. He was giving it to the people. And how did the people respond? Look at this in verse 40, 54. It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Because that's what the Word of God does. It cuts to our heart. But it didn't end there. Because remember what I said earlier? We'll either accept God's Word or we'll reject God's Word. Look at what the people did. When they heard this, 
They began to gnash them, gnash him with their teeth. The word of God brought such conviction on these people that they began to attack him while he was preaching. Okay, could you imagine I'm up here preaching? I'm excited and I'm going like I'm going and and Brother Mark just decides to get mad. And he just comes up here and, and David comes up here and they just start biting my arms. Could you imagine how you would respond if like people just started biting me during, while I was preaching? Imagine how I would respond. Okay, this is what Stephen, he's up here preaching. He's given the word of God and people began biting him, gnashing them with his teeth. Because the word of God brought them to reject God instead of to accept God. We know that people got saved that day. We know that people accepted Jesus and began following after him that day. But we also know that people rejected him that day. One of two things will happen when you hear God's word. You either get mad or you will get glad. Those are the two responses. And we've got to ask ourselves, what is our response when we hear the word of God? The word of God tests a man's earthly life and his spiritual existence. He says, what are you going to respond when you hear the word of God? Are you going to get mad? Are you going to get glad? Are you going to, when, when, when the word of God or when people that you respect, your friends as I talked about, when they reprimand you, when the word of God reprimands you, are you getting mad at those things? Or are you receiving them with gladness because you know that it's going to make you better? That's what the book does. That's what this word of God does. It's piercing. It's a sharp word. It is going through our heart. Not only is it a sharp word, but it's also a separating word. It says here it pierces. This is literally to mean to go through something. Okay, This word of God begins to go through our desires and intentions. It deals with the emotional part of man, but it also deals with the intellectual part of man. Right, we're, we're built of different ways. God created us in different ways. And when the word of God begins to penetrate our heart, our hearts are exposed. Okay, it's like, a, it's like a, someone who, who, who is exposed for the very first time, the innocence that comes out of them. And the word of God enables our heart to obey God and claim his promises. It is able to penetrate the depths of our soul and our spirit. It says it divides even asunder the soul and the spirit. One commentator said it like this, the, war, the Holy Spirit is the surgeon, okay, the doctor that's coming in, to, to, to do this operation, but the word of God is the scalpel. The surgeon can only do so much without the tools, right? He can come in and he can say, you need a heart transplant? I really can't get in there. I don't have any tools. Maybe I'm just going to punch in as hard as I can, grab your heart with my hand and rip it out, okay? Or he can come in meticulously with precision with a scalpel and begin to cut begin to make the surgery happen. And this is what the Word of God does. The Word of God is the scalpel. He goes in and the Holy Spirit sees our hidden sin. He sees our unbelief. He sees our secrets. He sees our waywardness. And He doesn't leave us there. He picks up the Word of God, the scalpel, and He says, I love you. I love you in spite of all those things. And I'm going to begin to work on you. You're going to begin to cut out the things that you don't need, the things that, the tumors that are, that are in your life. I spoke to a young man this, a man this past week that's got 48 tumors on his body. He needs surgery. He said, they're giving me headaches. I can't think at days. I can't, it's hard for me to function. It's hard for me to even sleep at night because they're all over my body. 
and I need this surgery. I need someone to go in with a scalpel, was what he said. And I need them to begin to work on my body. This is what he's saying here. The surgeon is the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God begins to come in and penetrate our life with love and begin to work on our life. I wrote this down this was, this, the, yesterday as I was studying over this, thinking through this. The Word of God pierces our heart. The Word of God penetrates our heart, all for the ability to produce godliness in our life. See, he doesn't do this for accidents. He doesn't do this because, well, I think if I do this, something good's going to happen. Sometimes I've talked to people, and, and they'll say they'll go to a doctor, and they'll say the only thing we know to do is to have a surgery. We don't know the outcome, but we know we've got to have a surgery. We've got, we know we've got to do something. The Holy Spirit never does that. The Holy Spirit with the Word of God never will say, well, we're just going to do something and hope it works. No, he says we're going to have an operation because I want to produce godliness. I want you to be closer to me than you ever have been. And that's what the Word of God does. It's sharp, but it's separating. And I've got to hurry. The third thing is this. The Bible is a probing book. Continues on in verse 12, and it says that this is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Some definitions say this. It's a critic, judge. I like the, the definition here to analyze. It's an analyzer of our heart. The Word of God probes the inner recesses it exposes all of our motives. God's word illuminates the dark corners of my life. All the disguises that I have are ripped off. And the real me will be seen. God knows the inside and the out of our life. Alexis is here and, and she's pregnant. And me and my wife, we were pregnant 20 plus months ago with Hudson. He's almost two now. It's hard to believe that two years ago we were sitting in in a hospital room, in a, in a doctor's office, and, and I think she said she's got an appointment this week for an anatomy scan. And I remember, I remember vividly all three of my kids and, and going through these scans. But this is what, what, what blew my mind, and I thought about it even when I was studying this. We go into to these scans, and, and I, I knew my wife, we, knew, we know she's pregnant, we know Alexis is pregnant, right? She's, she's showing a little bit of a baby belly there. Okay, we know she's pregnant, but none of us in here can see that baby, Right? Right? No. Can anyone here see that baby? I just want to make sure. No one's got x-ray vision? Okay, good. I wish they did. I, I, mean, I, would, I would use you for my advantage, I think. All right, so, so uh, x-ray vision we don't have. But we have an ultrasound machine. This ultrasound machine, every single time, every single ultrasound that I went to for all three of my kids was mind-blowing. For them to be able to go in with a machine and see that baby... And they would turn a little dial, and they would begin to see the blood flow in the veins. They began to see, are they getting the right blood flow to their brain? Are they beginning to see the, the right blood flow through their heart? Okay? That's what that ultrasound machine did. It, it began to, to probe inside of there in a non-invasive way with just some, some great scientists that had figured this out. And they began to see the inner workings of our children before we ever saw them. We could see the shape of their nose. We could see the shape of their lips. We could see maybe they've got, the, maybe they've got my eyes. They've got my eye shape. And we began looking at those pictures, and Allie would always look at them and say, I think they look like me. I think they're going to have my nose. I think they're going to have my eyes. And she gave birth to three Jameses, okay? So <laughs> we, she hoped that they would look like her, but unfortunately they look like me. But the, the ultrasound allows us to go in and see these things. 
And God says that's his word. His word goes in and sees the inner recesses of our hearts and it diagnoses, it, it begins to change our heart the way we see it because he goes in and he sees it, but he just doesn't see it. He begins to have an operation. He begins to see that this vein isn't right, so I need, a, need to alter that. I begin to see that this thing is wrong, so I've got to alter that. And so it's a probing book that begins to go through our life and begins to change the very nature of who we are. And then the last thing I want to look at here as we, as we close up is this, is not only is the Bible a powerful book, not only is it a piercing book and a probing book, but we see that our Bible is a personal book. In verse 13, he says it's personal to you and to me. It says, no way, neither is there any person, creature that is not manifest in sight that he doesn't know about, but all things are naked and opened up into the eyes of him in whom we have to do. The Bible speaks directly to you and to me. I wrote it down like this. One commentator said it like this. The Bible will show me, me. It will show you, you. Okay, it's like going to a mirror and you're going to see who you are. It's going to reveal all the impurities. Okay, my wife's got this like magnifying mirror. I, I never look in it because I don't want to look into it. It like magnifies everything like 10 times. Why would you want a mirror like that? Why, who in their right mind would come up with a mirror that magnifies something 10 times for you to look at? Okay, I'm already ugly enough. I don't want to see myself magnified 10 times. Okay, and, and Jade will, will do her makeup in it, and it's got a little light around it. But that's what the Word of God does. It, 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 it shows us who we are. We don't get to hide things in front of this mirror of God's Word. It is a moment of total exposure and utter defenselessness. It brings us to the sight of the eyes of whom we have to do. What happens is at this moment, we begin to move from the written word, the God's word that we have in front of us, to the living word of Jesus Christ. We begin to see Jesus exemplified in our life or Jesus not exemplified in our life. We begin to see the moments in our life where we didn't follow him and we followed flesh. We begin to see the moments as, we, as our defenses are taken away and we begin to see God saying, you honored yourself over me. You lifted up yourself instead of listening up to Savior. And we begin to see this when we begin to examine our life in this personal way. The Word is personified in our life. We see what the Word does to our lives and ultimately how we respond to it. We begin to see, am I responding in the proper way? Am I responding in the way that would be honoring to Jesus? Because the Bible says that when the word of God is preached, it confronts us with the living word. It confronts us with Jesus and who he really is. And the Bible says in, this, in, in the way that only this writer could say it, it says it like this, but all things are naked and opened up into his eyes. God says that there is no thing that we can do to defend ourselves at this moment. I want you to take this word picture with me for a moment. Okay, you're in need of a heart transplant. Doctor comes in, your heart is failing. We've got a heart transplant, we've got, a, we've got someone here, and, and we need this heart transplant to happen. We cannot look at that doctor and say, all right, doc, give me the scalpel, I'm going to do it myself. We can't cut ourselves open, we can't break our chest cavity, we can't begin to cut in there and change our own heart out. 
It's physically impossible. The doctor would say, in layman terms, you're an idiot. You can't do that. You got to have someone else to help you. And what Jesus is saying here, what the writer is saying here, is in order for this surgery to happen, you have got to be naked and opened up. And another surgeon has to come in. Someone else has to come in and perform this operation. The word of God comes in with the Holy Spirit through this scalpel and he begins to methodically cut and replace this heart that so only can be replaced by him. And God says, if you're not willing for that to happen, if you're not willing to be opened up and, and naked in the eyes, I mean, when we know that word. We know that, that, that I mean, when we hear that word, you're like, whoa, naked, that's, no, no, no. It brings a moment of sincerity to us. It brings a moment of, of, of just openness that we have when we hear that because God says that's how you're going to be when you confront the word of God. He wants us to see that and he wants us to be made aware how much his grace we need in our lives. It's nothing that we can do. It's nothing that we can say or do in and of ourselves, but it's only through the holy written word of God, through the living word of God, Jesus Christ himself, that transforms us to change us into this person that God has designed us to be. But it's personable. It, when, I, when I read the word of God, it, it challenges me in ways that it's not going to challenge Randy Sweet over here. It's going to challenge me different than the way James Dermott reads it and Henry Br it, It's going to change me differently than it changes them because I'm so thankful that we're not the same people, right? We're all different. Not everyone in here looks ugly like I do. Okay, not everybody in here wears, wears glasses and is redheaded and get made fun of for being a four-eyed, freckle-faced, redheaded. All right, y'all didn't, y'all, you didn't get that, that pleasure, that glory that someone got. God made us all different. Okay, if Glenn were here, I would talk about how he's a Dolphins fan, but he's not even watching, so I don't get to pick on him today. But well, we get to see that we're all made different. And the beauty of this is, that surgeon that comes in as Jesus, as the living word, as he comes in, he knows personally what you need in that very moment. He's not going to prescribe to me the same thing he's going to prescribe to my wife or my son. He's going to prescribe something different because he knows us. Listen, he, he knows the thoughts and the intents of our desires of our heart. It's a personal book. It's something personal that Jesus comes in and he says, this is what you need today. And Thursday, when Thursday rolls around, he's going to say, this is what you need today because it's personal. I can't borrow on someone else. I've got to live for Jesus myself. And I've got to say, God, am I applying your word the way you would have me apply it? So as we close, as our musicians come and Andy or Mark, whoever's coming to lead us, comes, I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to think, are we relying on the gift of this word the way we should? Is it powerful? Is it piercing? Is it changing the way you're living? Is it probing? Are we allowing the word of God to come into our life? And are we applying it to our life? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor James, I've never had that moment where I've even accepted the word of God. Maybe today's that day for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I've, I've grown a little cold. I don't allow the word of God to apply to my life. I don't go to the doctor as much as I should, right? As men, we don't go to the doctors like we should. I don't go to the surgeon like I should and say, God, reveal to my heart what needs to be changed.
Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you need to come, maybe pray in your seat, pray with your spouse, maybe come down front and say, God, change me for your honor and for your glory according to your word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for allowing us to come and worship you. Lord, help us as I, I, I've struggled with this message all week long, Lord. You know that. You know we've, we've wrestled back and forth. And God, I pray that you'll help us to honor you with our life. I pray that you'll help us as we examine our lives this morning, that it would be a life that would be honoring to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand as Mark comes and leads us. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.